This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, burn it all down, flamethrowers, Lindsay Gibbs here. So here's what happened. Last week, as I promised all of you on Twitter, my burn was dedicated to the hiring of Derek Fisher by the Los Angeles Sparks. However, my audio ended up being dysfunctional for the second half of recording last week's episode which is my why, as you might have noticed, I disappeared from the final edit of that episode in the second half. But it all worked out perfectly because joining me today is the wonderful Erica Ayala, who is a familiar name to all of you, a flamethrower herself. And we are just going to have a little hot take discussion about the Los Angeles Sparks decision to hire Derek Fisher, the process behind it and some of the problems there and some recent revelations that have come out about a uh, shady business practice, per se, that Derek is involved in. So first of all, hi, Erica. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello, and thank you again for having me. It's always a pleasure to join you. Can you first take us through, let's get everybody caught up here. So about a month ago, Brian Agler, who, you know, took the Sparks and they won the 2016 WNBA championship, very successful coach. He resigned as head coach of the Los Angeles Sparks. I know I was shocked. I think a lot of people did not see this coming. And there was very little information made public. It was a very um, just kind of straightforward press release. It didn't even include any quotes from Brian. And a couple weeks later, we heard they were starting a comprehensive coaching search. And then about a week after that, we find out that Derek Fisher is the head coach. So, Erica, you listened to this press conference when Penny Toller, who is the general manager of the Sparks, announced this. What were your takeaways from that press conference? Um, So, as I was listening live, the first thing, honestly, that I thought is, you know what? Derek Fisher seems to be responding to a lot of the critiques and criticism that I had seen leading up to the conference um, very well. Um, He talked about his connections, of course, within basketball to the Sparks organization. He addressed the lack of experience in his coaching resume, as well as the gap between his last coaching job with the Knicks to now his current appointment with the Sparks. That was my first thought as, as he's going through the conference. Then we got about midway through the conference, and Penny Toller started talking about the process. And so I was like, okay, maybe at this point, I'm like, maybe I was just giving Derek Fisher, I wasn't giving Derek Fisher the benefit of the doubt. It sounds like, you know, maybe this could work. Then Toller goes on to say that essentially the search was, uh, 
full of a candidate of exactly one person, that being, of course, Derek Fisher. And that's when I was like, wait a minute, this is kind of wild to me um, that you would open up a search for a head coach, as you mentioned, of a very successful franchise, a founding team of the WNBA to just one person. And that one person just happens to have a losing record in the NBA as his only resume, as, as the only part of his coaching resume, and hasn't even been an assistant since that time, to my knowledge. And then it kind of went downhill from there, Lindsay, as other things started to come up, like, I don't see gender, and I, I mean, I wrote for High Post Hoops how that's kind of problematic to me, and, and I really think that Polar and, and the Sparks kind of put more of a, of a target on Fisher's back than necessary by not opening up the hiring process and by almost being like gender blind, if you will, to why, you know, it's not necessarily that Fisher is a male coach or it's not only that he's a male coach, but he's a male coach with no experience in women's basketball. But it's not only that he's a male coach with limited basketball coaching experience. And you just lost a coach who won championships in the ABL, in the WNBA, and he's going to have to go up against coaches, Fisher that is now, against other coaches who are championship coaches. This is a championship franchise. And it just, it was a little wild to me, the disconnect and the the immediate defense of this that came from the dais that day. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, look, for the record, I wish Derek Fisher all the best. I The WNBA is a better league, a more fun league, when the team that has Candace Parker and Echo Bumake and Chelsea Gray on it is competing and is doing well and is in the playoffs. So, right. you know, I, I'm rooting for him in that, in that capacity, and it's certainly super important for the W to have a franchise in Los Angeles and to have that be a healthy franchise. This just felt like, I know Penny Toller is a female general manager, and that is a black woman as a general manager. So, you know, we also don't see many women, especially black women, getting those type of opportunities. So, you know, I, I do want to acknowledge that part of it. Yet there's something about this that just screams like old boys club to me. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just yeah. explain that for anyone who's like, it can't be an old boys club. If it's Penny Toller. But the reason is, it's because Derek Fisher is so ingrained in everything the Los Angeles Lakers do because he was a champion um, when he was in the NBA with the Lakers. I believe he won five rings with them, you know, just uh, always, you know, he's beloved by that city and by that ownership group. And apparently he's kind of been hanging out with mm -hmm. them, kind of, you know, in and out with the Sparks and the Lakers for years just kind of really chummy with the management there. And I, Penny said, I believe, she said, I, I used to just always tell him, are you ready to be our coach? Are you ready to be our coach? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and exactly. So that's what's like so weird about it. Like, it's like he just was, it, it, this this feels like a backroom deal or cigars. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's a point that is being lost in my opinion, way too much in the conversation about Derek Fisher. I reiterate your sentiments that I wish him well. Him doing well is good for the Sparks, which is good for the WNBA. Lord knows we need things that are good for the WNBA. However, that doesn't excuse where you have an entire league, mostly of women of color, of black women, 
who time and time again have stood up for social justice, for equality and equity for women, it doesn't make sense to have such a myth when it comes to not opening up a position, a lucrative position, a well-thought and respected position for other females. Um, Definitely for other females, but for other coaches. We have at least, what, how many three coaches that I can think of off off of the top of my head that have WNBA experience that have been let go from their last job. So again, Derek Fisher, this isn't about the fact that he's gotten fired. That happens in sports, right? You know, Fred Williams has been fired. Um, you know, there's... Uh, Amber, Amber Stocks, Stocks, yeah. Exactly. Uh, Jenny Busick, like, th- this happens, okay? That's not the issue here. But there's a huge difference between all of those coaches that I named and Derek Fisher. And that is flat-out experience, which also begs the question, why is it okay for the NBA to just hire someone with no head coaching experience to run a team like the Knicks? Right. You know, but again, people aren't having that <laughs> conversation. But, uh, you know, that's yeah. just curious to me. But when you have, um, you know, uh, coaches, female coaches, black female coaches who were former players, either in the WNBA, the ABL, or just in women's basketball, like Taj McWilliams Franklin, McWilliams Franklin, excuse me, like Dawn Staley, who are talking about the difficulties that they've had and continue to have, um, for some of these coaches that have spoken out, the Players' Tribune did something. I wrote about Taj McWilliams Franklin, McWilliams Franklin, excuse me, for Highmost Hoops. You know, they continue to have these conversations about once they got fired, they didn't know if they were going to get a job again. Right. And then you have a team like the Sparks, who, again, by reputation and by association to the WNBA, kind of take on this mantle, and for them not to open up the position, that just it, the optics are terrible. Not to mention that as a business decision, you better be you better be really sure about Fisher. And I just don't know how you can be given his resume. So if there's something that we don't know about how he's just gonna come in and crush it, I mean, let us know. But I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of people who have talked to him. I know a lot of journalists who have talked to him. He talked to. Um, our friend Howard Megbull on the Locked On Women's Basketball podcast. He talked with LaChina Robinson on the Around the Rim podcast. Um, and, and people, I think, are really charmed by him and really think he's kind of saying the right things and, yeah. um, and, and seems open to being asked difficult questions, <laughs> you know, and, and all of that's positive. I, you know, I do have to say, like, I listened to his interview with LaChina and, on the around the rim and it was right after the announcement and he mentioned his daughters so many times in that interview and you know all her fathers loving their daughters but to me it just seemed like a shield right like and and you know we all know men do that all the time as well now you know the 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 as as a father of daughters, I just can't right. stand As for, a coach of, you know, yeah. a girl's basketball team, right. side eye. And I just, like, that was all really, you know, so that part of it's frustrating. The fact that the headlines coming out of his press conference were Derek Fisher, quote, I don't see this as a step down, you know? Like, that right. is just oh. such defensive language. And he, he said that, right, that wasn't an answer to a question. He, exactly. That, that was... It, for people who aren't familiar with like how sports press conferences usually work, usually the coach or whoever is 
on there, usually they give an opening statement, you know, they just kind of start it with, with thoughts and then open it up to questions. And that, as far as I remember, he said that is part of his opening statement, right? Right. <laughs> Which and, is and a really bizarre way to frame things. Absolutely. And Penny had a similar approach. And again, I, I wrote about that, really breaking that down. It's like, why are you so ready for the criticism? And I mean, I'm sure you want to get ahead of things. I understand that. But I mean, my goodness. And, and even mentioned his losing record. It's like, no, okay, you're going to turn it around. But like, are you? Are you sure? Like, you know, nobody, you didn't think about anybody else? Ultimately, what this comes down to is the fact that, look, there are, what, 12 WNBA teams, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, those feel like the only jobs that women realistically have a shot to get the head coaching jobs on. And even in the WNBA, what, they only have five right now? There are only five women? Um, I don't Mm -hmm. have the exact numbers in front of me right now. I'm sorry. But it's it's less than half, I believe. Um, Yeah. And, and so I'm not saying every single coach should be a woman, but it's, you know, Cheryl Reeve had a tweet, as she often does, that I just kind of, for me, summed up this frustration with this process, which was, quote, sometimes I ponder what it would be like to have access to nearly 95% of a job market. And, and, and you know, that's, that's what it is. It's like, you know, men can have any job in the NBA they want, right? Any assistant job, any, you know, they're eligible for any head coaching job. And then they, the same in the men's NCAA. And then they also are eligible for all of those spots in the women's basketball too, you know? And then, uh, so, so that's where the frustration comes from. And the fact that this process just, it, it seems like Brian Agler resigned because he saw the writing on the wall. Like, that's right. what it feels like, right? That he, the reason he stepped down is because this Derek Fisher thing was pretty much a done deal and was kind of being held over his head. I don't know if they were going to fire him, but it does, like, that, it does seem like he realized he wasn't wanted anymore. Like, it doesn't seem like this was a decision they made after Brian Aguilar had made his decision, is what no. I'm saying. Right. And there are a few things that allude to that. And shout out to Michelle Vogel and I believe oh. also Michelle Smith who once the news broke or was announced that Agler had resigned, they started um, tweeting and saying that the timeline didn't fit the announcement and that Agler had submitted his resignation at the top of the month. So I guess now we're going to November. But the league, or excuse me, the team, did not announce that resignation towards the end of November. So then you have the end of November, Agler resigns, and then early December, we have Fisher in as head coach. And the conversation, as you said, is, you know, some of the conversation that, and Penny said it in the press conference, that for years, she'd been having these conversations. So this isn't anything, this isn't just, this. it doesn't seem as though, if you're connecting the dots, that this is pure speculation on behalf of Michelle Smith and Michelle Vogel, who are the best are in very the business. good at yeah. what they do and seem to have had conversations with Agler and other people. Um, you know, because Agler still timing. wants to coach. He's, he's, exactly. inter- he's interviewing for the Dallas Wings job. I mean, that's he, correct. he has no desire to stop coaching in the WNBA. So that's correct. Yeah. And so again, by, by pulling all of the pieces together. Um, and so for this to happen, it's just so very odd. And here's the thing, right? As 
far as I know, the Sparks are able to legally, and obviously by just by the nature of Benny Toller's position as general manager, to hire who they want. So good, good for you, hire who you want. But again, just is it worth the optics of not doing this in a way that, in, uh, maybe I should say it this way, is it worth doing it in a way where you're essentially burning bridges right. and kind of diminishing the integrity of your process, of the organization, and certainly of Derek Fisher before he's even coached one game? Right. And look, we have to say that the Sparks players, from everyone who's talked to them, there aren't even rumblings of unhappiness with this. You know, they have gotten to know him. And look, they uh, they grew up watching him, too, and probably, you know, rooting for him, too. I mean, there's a part of, you know, women's basketball players who have also been taught to kind of lionize the men over the women, right? Like, we all grow up in this culture. Every single one of us is susceptible to this, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and also I understand why they might be like, well, the decision is made. So there's no sense in being unhappy with it. But look, we could go on with this for a little bit, but I want to address another thing that came out about Derek Fisher, which is just, you know, uh, once again, makes me doubt how thorough of a search, uh, Penny Dollar did, which is it came out this week that he is like in charge of this predatory loan company that preys specifically on or targets like rich athletes who have mismanaged their money <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah do you luxury know do you know what i'm talking about capital. what are your yeah, thoughts luxury, luxury, luxury asset capital i believe <sighs> is uh luxury asset capital loans and <laughs> i mean first of all predatory loan companies um, and 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 the like, never never a good idea. There's always something fishy. Always, and they always that. disproportionately impact communities of color. Like let's absolutely, put that out including yeah. WNBA or excuse me NBA players um, that are making million dollar contracts, right. right? But are falling on hard times um, because and they're so, eighteen and don't know how to manage million dollars. Precisely, like I would getting, yeah. right, not getting good advice. So. The fact that you would kind of persuade players to, to make these types of loans is just, just very odd. Like, what, what are you getting out of this? But I think for those who, who like to sit key like I do, I think the most interesting part of this information has been NBA players in particular coming out and kind of just putting Derek Fisher on blast, including um, the time when he was a part of the, the Players Association in the middle of a collective bargaining agreement and how some players at least feel that he wasn't necessarily looking out for the best interests of the players. And to talk about backdoor deals, you know, there's been people alluding to the fact that he maybe was doing that with the NBA when he was a player. Totally. I mean, so he was, he was union president of the, the NBA players association during the 2011 lockout. So during a crucial time for NBA players. And yeah, I mean, I saw there was an article floating around and I'm not going to call out anyone right now. Um, but you know, there was an article floating around thinking, saying like, Oh, look, he has experience as a union president and NECA, who's the, you know, the, the president of the WNBA players association, she's on the spark. So maybe that will help. <laughs> the WMEA Players Association. And first of all, that logic is just not really how collective bargaining works. Um, but uh, also, like, 
I don't know if he's the person you want in your corner for that, yeah. right? Like, I don't right. think his reputation for uh, sticking up for labor rights is that great. <laughs> no, no. But, and, and if anything, does that maybe create the opposite type of problem? This is your coach, which I don't know that there's necessarily a direct connection between coaches and the players association in the league that they are a part of. Um, but if this is a coach that when he was in his own CBA negotiations was not necessarily upholding what the players wanted, then is, is this the kind of coach that you want giving you advice when you're going through a very important, or at least what we believe to be an extremely important uh, CBA negotiation that the WNBA is going through? I, just, I don't think that that's necessarily the company that you want to keep for that specific um, topic. Totally. And I, I think I'm going to finish by saying there's a writer at the um, at the Atlantic, Van, I'm trying to remember his last name, Van Newkirk. And he, I thought he had the funniest tweet this week. He said, at this point, there's not a single Derek Fisher headline I wouldn't believe. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, really. But also, what does that say? That's kind of like what it feels like right now, right? Like, oh, he's the, the coach of the Sparks? Oh, okay, oh, he's now involved in a predatory loan thing? Oh, okay. Like, it's just, it's, it's all weird confluence of events, and we wish him the best, but look, processes need to be better than this, and I'm almost in the favor of the WNBA putting, you know, a Rooney rule for women in there, being yeah. like at least one woman has to be interviewed for every coaching vacancy, you know? Yeah, um, And seeing if that kind of helps the pipeline a little bit because, um, I don't know, it just kind of seems like the least a league for women could do. <laughs> exactly, quite literally. Yeah. All right, thank you as always, Erica, and uh, hopefully we'll have some better news to talk about next time. For sure. Thank you. And happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays.